Everybody say hi. Good morning. All right. See if you can make it. All the students want to try and make the things like move on. Uh, pray with me if you would. Lord, I'm, I'm giddy with excitement. I just I love this stuff. I love how truth can set us free. I just want to honor Wheaton Academy as being an incubator, a place where we get to process this and really try to understand how philosophy affects theology, how theology affects our thought process and how our thought processes affect every decision we make and how we're even sitting here right now, how we're feeling about the quiz we took or coming in today. Bless our efforts here to know you better through this. Pray that you'd help me to speak clearly, that your spirit would bring to mind things to say and not say, and that more more then whatever I say, just that we would be inspired to seek truth, knowing that we, it is a promise that we will find it. And ultimately, if we seek truth, we'll find you, more of you. And, and truth sets us free, which ultimately you, you set us free. And we want more freedom. We want more hope. Pray that we could learn that you are trustworthy. You're worthy of trust. And that in all of the disciplines represented here, that's what we get to do. We get to show students that you're worthy of trust through whatever we're passionate about. And thank you for setting it up that way, that we each get to do what we love to do and help students see you through that. Bless our time of communion here, discussing, dialoguing. Pray for open hearts and minds. And pray that you'd surprise us with a little whimsy, with some joy, with some hope, with even some conviction and that we can leave in an hour and 15 minutes refreshed and inspired and excited because we got to interact with you and your spirit and truth. Just, I ask whether you make that happen, that your kingdom would come right here, right now, in a powerful way. Amen? All right. Um, I'm here uh, because I've been working on this thing for 10, 12 years and trying to find an effective way to help students know truth that will set them free, right? I actually, I firmly believe that that's why you're here as well. And uh, so we're here working on this together. Um, I, I want to start with a few things. This is a collaborative effort, um, and I want to give honor where honor is due. Um, two of them are sitting right back there. Steve Bolt has not fired me yet. <laughs> for teaching all this stuff. So thank you. And he's been so supportive on my journey. It has been a crazy journey on trying to get to this place. I'm really excited because today it really almost feels like, ah, oh, wait, this is like 2.0. Like this is really healthy, I think, and a really great operational tool. I still have a few more pieces uh, to put together. I want to invite you into that process. But because of an invitation with faculty like you, this is so much better than it was three years ago, four years ago, ten years ago. Trish Main has helped me edit. Thank you, Trish. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Trish. Um, but I, example here, a small one, but even bowling. I want to honor bowling. In a department meeting, he's like, why are you doing, dual, or why are you doing romanticism? Romanticism doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Romanticism is just weird. Why don't you say dualism? I'm like, oh, why don't I say dualism? That's way better. <laughs> it's way better. It's so, like, I really want to invite, like, I want to make this as good as it can be, and I think my identity is in a, finally in a healthy place <coughs> where... I can let that happen. Thank you. And so I would love to dialogue and help me make this better. I want to honor uh, Chris Brown for this 
unpack it is where it is right now because he's pushed me to make this more public. Um, and also just Holy Spirit guiding and directing. So I think we've got to give honor where honor is due. And again, I want you to be part of this process. This is an open, dialogic activity. Um, you just took that pre-test. I'm not going to be like, how did it feel? How did it go? But this is what I give the students. It's the exact same sheet of paper on the second day of class. And then I give it to them on the final. And they do better, which is really exciting. Right? A lot of I tell them not to study for the final because I want to be walking knowledge. But don't study for this. They're like, but we have to, it's our final. Like, don't study. They show up and they're like, oh man, what? You know, it's really fun. And so that's part of what I want you to experience what they experience and the process. And if it was hard or you struggled or were confused, that's why we're doing this right now. I'm not going to give you all my you know, 15 weeks of philosophy in an hour. There's no way. But I'm available. And so I would love for you to know that I'm available. I love doing lunches. It's part of my job here to be a resource. So, fair enough. Help me help you, help me help you. All right. Um, and one other thing that I wanted to show you is you can pull this up on, let's see if we can get it here. Austin Valeski is a freshman, sophomore here, and for his project in class, his final last year, he built the trustlist.com website. So this is available. It's built by students for students. You can pull that up if you want, um, but it's here. And uh, it is, here's idealism. You click on idealism, and you'll get a little picture of only God's hand, because that's all that's really real. And the little circle, the title, the bumper sticker, the paragraphs, some images to discuss. Thank you, Austin Valeski. So that's available as well for you in your classes. I just kind of want to give you a little bit of info there. All right. What I'm going to do got about an hour and 15, hour and 10 minutes left. What I'm going to do is I'm going to basically present for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then I want to open it up for questions. Like, wait, what about this, right? And I want this last bit to be a care and share. I love that we're sitting at little tables. Care and share, show and tell, dialogue about how do I get this into the classroom in an effective way without having to do a ton more work Believe me, I, I really, I don't want this to be more work. If anything, I want it to be something that enhances what you're already doing. Uh, but the, one of the main goals is to create consistent vocabulary and dialogue. So that freshman year, sophomore year, they're learning what an idealist and material, they learn what that is. And then as you refer to it in your class, it's a sentence. It's a thought. It's a tagline even. Or it's just like, oh yeah, hey, by the way, this is this. And they're like, oh, and they're connecting these dots, which will create a beautiful, I think, synergy amongst what we're trying to do, not just in the Bible department, but as a school where they can connect all this truth. Thank you, Chris Brown, for that tagline. But connect the truth in all of our classes. Catching the vision there a little bit, right? And so that's what I'm hoping today will help us with, is connecting that truth and creating more of a dialogue and building vocabulary that's consistent. How are we doing? Yeah? We good? All right. Um, if I've already shown this next video to, to you, please tell me. If you've already seen it, that's a little different. But if I've already presented it to you, um, I want to make sure that I'm not double dipping or creating it too much. But I want to show this one little video, and then we'll, we'll dive into this. This is going to be more of creating that tension. It's an ER clip with Reichel Aylesworth. Okay.
Let's watch it. Hopefully it'll be loud enough here. Ah. Oh, crack me up. There we go. Thank you, Bono. All right. Um, I like this. It's about five minutes, and I show it in my classes. You're welcome to use it. I think it's going to create a little bit of the tension that we need to give us the impotence here to really lean into this more. All right. I, I find that this guy represents a lot of the students who leave and are struggling, and even more so, the nurse, or not the nurse, the counselor in this scene. Students who go off to college and are like, ah, I want to I have an answer, I want to help, and I just, it's too confusing. The goal of this, this, the way that I teach philosophy and this grid and that handout is to make it simple with a way that you can remember it and then communicate through it, right? Two things to plant a seed right now. I was this person. This is part of why I teach this. I graduated here, had Reebok for doctorate. I learned a ton, had all this information. And, and on some level, A, it was, it was almost powerless. Like it wasn't Holy Spirit infused. And then on, the, on another level, I just didn't have context. I didn't know why I was picking this as opposed to all these other options. And so I just got clobbered. I got clobbered. You know, I get knocked down, but I get up. Yeah, like I got back up, right? But that process of getting pounded helped me realize, wait, we, we've got to prepare more effectively. So that's part of it. That's why I'm showing this. The other one is plant the seed. We won't get here now. My brother went here as well. He got pounded so much that he ended up becoming a Native American shaman. <laughs> he went to Wheaton Academy. My own bro, he's the captain of the sailing trip. He's not a shaman still. <laughs> he's back. Like, wait a second, our students shouldn't be leaving here and becoming shamans. They shouldn't be leaving and chuck their faith because someone's able to give them an argument that, that works better than the one they have. I realize it's all based off of trust. Christianity is legit. It's solid. It's rock solid. And it's compelling. And it's exciting. That's part of what this is all about. So here's the tension builder right here. Ready? By the way, what's he starting with? What's he holding? He's got him. He's got a cross. He's got prayer beads. He's starting as a <coughs> potentially Catholic, but at least a theist, right? He's at least a theist. He's starting there. All right, so here we go. catch it? He's giving a lethal dose to someone who was a murderer. He injected this stuff. Didn't work. Oh, wait. Infiltration of the IV. Does it again. Guy dies. A couple weeks later, guy was what? Innocent. He basically just put an innocent person to death. He's struggling right now. Yeah? 
He's sick. She does. She wa the thing it blows me away, she walks out. I of questions I don't know how to answer. Who knows anything with absolute certainty? Inclusive approach. 
I stopped it there at the end. I could have stopped it earlier. I stopped it there because what's going on in the hospital is just what? She's going to keep going. Another person's coming in. Life's going to keep going. She leaves, and that guy's still stuck with what? All this tension and questions, and he wants answers. He wants help. He wants something. How about, let's do this. Thoughts, questions, comments that you guys have in this. Let me try and back it up to this spot. Thoughts, questions, comments. Yeah, why would, maybe even the question, why would you pick this video amongst the, I probably have like 80 videos I could show right now. Who's seen it before? A couple of us. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, teaching both ninth, mostly ninth graders and then also working with some uh, juniors and seniors. I think it's interesting how a lot of kids, when they first come here, might think that they have everything figured out. <laughs> Yeah. But then they start to come up against questions like this and it starts to kind of kind of eat away at what they think, what they thought was certainty about everything. And I think it's really great that we're asking questions like this. We face this head on and say, listen, this is, a, this is a really real thing. Like, you can't just put this on the back burner. Sometimes in your life, you're going to have to answer these questions yeah. somehow. And if that's just a giant question mark, you're just going to be all inclusive. So I, and I, think, I think it's great that you're doing this because if we didn't address this at all, then that would question marks and just, you can't just put this off to the side. You can't just ignore this and act like it's not there. And, and I, thank you. And I'm glad I'm doing it. That's part of today, too. Is it's not just me. It's we are going to do this. And part of the goal here is I have the big seven questions of philosophy. They've already all asked them. We're going to kind of force them to ask them again before they go. That's part of the key here. But like when, when our dog died two years ago, my four-year-old Anna our dog dies, what does she ask me? The first question my four-year-old asked about the dog, where did Pop go? She's four, and she's a philosopher. What happens when we die? She wasn't asking about the dog. Who was she asking about? Where am I going to go when I die? Right? Eli steals something from her, takes something from her. That's not fair. So how are we going to decide morality? Like Kindergartners, literally, they asked all of these questions. If you... It's so easy to integrate. This is like one of the easiest things you're going to be asked to integrate. Because all your classes are asking these questions. What's a human being? What happens when we die? What's really real? Why are we here? What's history? It's all that. So I think it's really interesting to consider. And that's part of this is let's just get them to ask these questions and then deal with the potential answers and then ready the consequences of trusting certain answers. It'll take care of itself. Yeah? I think it's really interesting that Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but um, it's interesting. I thought that she learned more about her history and she's in Buddhism and she yeah. had all this interesting thing that she kind of just decided, like, you know, let's just be really yeah. but it's like everything kind of just be very generic. And then she gets hit when she's what, twenty eight, thirty ish. Maybe I don't know how old yeah. she's with, but and then her world rocks. Yeah. At that time, and when a good third of her life is Yeah. Yeah. Sean. Yeah. Shen. Yeah. <laughs> he was, you know, pretending to be an atheist, and two kids being like, "No, I don't understand why you aren't adhering to my valid Christian bubble 
Come on. Right? Yes. I don't know much about so it. So awesome. Which I, I'm honestly sad about, but I know that they were along the challenge in a lot of ways <laughs> in a very, in a very um, atheistic culture. It, it's an atheistic mindset. Um, to be pushed backwards, I, I think it's wonderful and wise. And, and, and here's, the, here's the catch if we can't handle all these questions as Christians, what are we doing? Why are we believing? Either it's the best way to live, it's the fullness of reality, and it's true. Or it's not. And I tell my kids, not facetiously, if it's not the best way, and if it's not true, give me something better and I'll go for it. Because I got one life. I want to make it the best. Now, that's risky. (laughs) I joke about not getting fired. But that's a risky approach. But that's part of my approach. I tell them, if you don't mind a little aside here, I tell the students, she doesn't have to be a Christian to help this guy. What, What can she do? She can be a total atheist and help this guy. This guy's starting off trusting what? Theism in God. So have him run with it. Run with that, right? And, uh, okay, so you say you trust God. Uh, according to the Bible that, as an atheist, I've read, God offers you salvation through grace and you're completely forgiven. Why are you all feeling guilty right now? I don't know. So you probably don't believe that then, do you? I guess not. Well, if you want to believe it, believe it, and then believe that you're saved by grace and you're forgiven and get off yourself here. An atheist could say that, Right? Because all they're going to do is help this person who's starting with what they're trusting. And here's the irony. I would, if I had that job, maybe I will someday, I'd go around the hospital and I would just help them. If an atheist was like, I'm scared about dying, I don't, you know, all this kind of stuff, I could just help the atheist be a better atheist. That's what this is about. If you want to be an atheist, I'm going to help you be a really, really good one. What will you find out when you really understand atheism? I mean, when you die, there's nothing afterwards. Morality is absurd. You have no free will because all you are is a chemical cause and effect reaction, right? Um, you, you are basically part of this big chunk of matter that's unfolding in pure cause and effect. You have no autonomy and no control over your life. It's perceived, but it's not really real. So you know what? There you go. That's, that's your option. What will most people do with that reality? What, really? That's what it really believes. Yeah, that's what it really believes. Talk to Nietzsche, Sartre, Camus, Heidegger, Kant, Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris. Oh, well, I don't know if I want. I don't know if I want that. Okay, well, you want to be a Buddhist? You can be a Buddhist. How would this guy work with Buddhism? In Buddhism, idealism, in order to escape non-existence as a shadow and get out of this world that's suffering. Look at the opening lines and those words of the Buddha. Life is suffering. You're incomplete. You're broken. You're messed up. If you want to get out of this, you've got to make yourself perfect. How would it go for this guy to make himself perfect? I'll help him be a really good Buddhist, but I'm going to have to tell him, if you're imperfect, can you make yourself perfect perfectly? No, because the only way you can make yourself perfect perfectly is you'd have to be what? And you already just admitted that you're not. So can you actually do it? But if you, I'll help you be a really good Buddhist. But will they really want that? No. Wait a second. I can't. Oh, shoot. I've got to make myself perfect and I can't. Other options. How about dualism? Like dualism. We can go with dualism where you are part of God. God is part of everything. There's no really individuality, but it feels like it. And God's so big and creative and it's all one world and it's all connected. And everything's perspective. And so there's no good and evil. It's just all manifestations of God. 
So he's not worried about doing something bad, but did he? No, as I, I can be a dual, like you didn't do anything wrong here. You're just acting out part of God. And God is destruction, and God is creation. God is death, God is birth. God is light, God is dark. God is fall, you know, God is spring. And it's just all the circle, you know. Like what you did was part of the circle and part of the existence of God. Don't worry about it. You're part of God. You helped that guy go on to something else. Is he going to want to accept that and try to acknowledge that what he did was not wrong? That there's no evil in the world. Well, you, you flesh these things out. If you pursue truth, the truth will do what? Set you free. I don't know if they'll hire me, but that would be my job. I'd go around and help you. I'll start with where they start and what they trust and help them really lean into what they trust and see what they're really trusting, and ultimately they're going to want to shift what? What they trust, because what they trust is not going to be trustworthy or they're not going to like it or they're going to have to really embrace it. Imagine doing the calisthenics as a true dualist. There is no evil on the world. Come on. It's nice if your life is cushy and you're at wah in my cushy chairs. But when you go on your Haiti trip, that's part of God. Rape is part of God. If you could see it from the rapist perspective, that's why they're doing it. I don't even like saying that. It's so horrific. Who's going to want to trust that? Is it trustworthy? That was rhetorical, but part of me was like, yeah. no. Are we tracking? So I, I, a little divergent there, but like to tie it all back in, we could just help them be, that's what I do in my class, I help them be where they are, and most of the atheists don't really want to be one later. And ironically, since they don't have free will, they could choose not to be one. But like, the dualist, the, new, the, the theosophical society, we can go down there, like the Hindu and the Buddhist in there, and it's so amazing to have this international program, and they're sitting there, and they're like, like, that's what my grandparents believe? I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, they don't really act like it. I'm like, yes, half the Christians don't act like it either. Most people don't really act out what they say they believe. But if they were to, right? So then we land on Christianity, and you're covered by grace. Amen. <laughs> you're forgiven. You have a loving God. You actually have a personality. You get to live forever. Jesus died for you. He loves you. You can have a relationship with him and each other because you're actually an individual person. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, this is great. Right? Now, it's hard. It doesn't erase all the pain and suffering, but we have an explanation for it. We have a God who can redeem it. It's like click, 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 click. We could easily help this guy find peace if he were to what? Trust what we were saying. And that's where we're going to go in just a second. A couple more thoughts and then we'll make a transition. You had a hand up for a little while, huh? Yeah? All right, yeah, in the back. Our world is just soup, isn't it? It's just relative soup. If you don't mind me being horrifically, uh, maybe it's not that horrible, but kind of generalizing and stereotyping, but those of you who are younger in the room, is that really, really thick that we're growing up in this sea of relativity and inclusivity that's unhealthy? Nods or shakes? Yes. In college? We're coming out of college? Yes? No. And it's interesting, it's starting to trickle its way up the generations. 
Buddhism is the fastest growing religion in the United States of America, right? And it's interesting to consider. Um, well, how about we'll take 10 minutes and I'll answer that question in the context of this. Is that fair enough? We good? Am I going too fast, too slow? Is this making sense? Are we tracking? Yes? my trust, and, I'll, and that's where we'll go. Here's the key. I can't teach what I teach the seniors to the freshmen. It would blenderize their brain. We've tried it. It would blend. It would just, it's not fair in, in regards to progression. Now, I can. I teach it to Anna and Eli, right? but I don't teach what I teach in these 15 weeks to Anna and Eli, although actually I kind of do. It's not really fair, but like, it's, like there is a progression here. And so freshmen suffers more informational what are the questions? What are the options? What are the consequences, right? This is meant to introduce them to a way of thinking about reality, which is where I'm going to go right now. But there is a certain progression. This is all a journey. That's why in my Bible class we do Lord of the Rings, because we talk about quest and journey, and Frodo starts out as this chubby little hobbit, trust fund hobbit, right? Who's chilling in his little, you know, awesome, cushy house, and chooses to leave all that to go on a journey, and comes back a warrior. He saved Middle Earth. That's, a, that's 11 months later. That's a journey. Right? So I think that's part of it for everyone. Let's meet them where they are, help them know where they are, and then maybe realize, I don't want to stay where I am. Or at least if you want to be an atheist, you know what one is, and I want you to be a really, really good one, and dialogue with me, and show me that it's better than what I'm believing, and that I should trust what you're trusting more than what I'm trusting. And actually, we're going to drop the ball a bunch on that. That's why a lot of people don't trust Christianity, because we haven't done a really good job of showing that it's what? Really worthy of trust. And when I say showing, I mean showing. There are people who are like, I have no evidence for miraculous stuff and no evidence for the supernatural. Whose fault is that? If you were hanging around with Peter and Paul, was there evidence of the supernatural? Yes, people were getting saved. Yes, there was love. Yes, there was conversion. But there was also a broken leg healed right there. That, that can't be explained with normal physics and biology, like in front of their eyes, right? That's powerful evidence. We're dropping the ball in some respects on some of this stuff. That's, that's whose fault, though? It's not God's fault. That's, in many respects, our fault. If people aren't trusting God because they think he's a jerk and unloving and that Westboro Baptist represents him well, that, that's our fault, right? And so I think that's part of the dialogue here. Is I'm, I have to admit when I'm dropping the ball and not making Christ out to be compelling and really trustworthy. Fair enough? That's the coming out of the allegory of the cave stuff where you and I have to come out and admit the fact that maybe we aren't doing the job we could be doing to represent the fullness of Christ as engaging and powerful and trustworthy. Who God really is. Fair enough? I'm not, I'm not trying to judge or point a thing. I'm just saying like that's part of our global issue. Yeah, so <clears throat> when you're talking about like different worldviews and uh, meeting the kids where they're currently sitting um, I mean, what, what do you do in the situation that they're like you know what I don't like the consequences of yeah. where this is but <laughs> this is also what seems to be correct to me I mean, just, just because they That's don't like the, the consequences doesn't mean that they're yeah. not going to still believe that it's 
All right. True. I think that's looping us back to place ways. So let me take 10 minutes then. How about okay. 10 minutes? I'll, I'll give you the big picture. Is that fair enough? So the big picture is such. I, um, the way that I teach this is through, and it's now two parts. This is like the past two weeks fresh. So I'm a little like, yeah, oh my gosh. It's been edited and re-edited. Thanks, Trish. <laughs> and really trying to work on some stuff. But you guys are getting like new revised standard version. This is actually 3.0 because over the weekend I even changed it again. Right? Like Faith Island and the Trust List. There's two ways to do it. I'm going to present that we all live on Faith Island called Planet Earth. Every single thing is based off of faith. Period. That is the consequence of the human condition. I'm going to put it in the story of the Bible. We got kicked out of Eden. But every philosopher, every mathematician, every true scientist, everybody walking around the planet knows for certain, ironic, that I cannot prove anything with 100% certainty. I can't. It's not possible. Everything in life is based off of trust, period. And so I call this place Faith Island. People are either aware that they're living on Faith Island or they're not. So we got Faith Island. And then on Faith Island, everybody's got a trust list. We're all going around with trust lists. Right? There's four big ones based off of how we look at the, at the world. Fair enough? And then, after week six or seven, when we go through these, the last half of my course is the trust list, which is who? Christ. Christ represents the trust list, the fullness of Christ. Fair enough? So that's how my class is set up. And so we start with and I think this is so interesting. She's, that one guy in there says, how can we know anything without absolute, I don't know anything with ab absolute certainty. And a lot of us are like, no, yes, we can. And I'm like, no, no, we can't. <laughs> He's right. We can't know anything with certitude. I am silly if I try to say I can prove that God exists. Because can I? I got like five of us to shake our heads. I can't prove he exists. I can't prove that I'm going to heaven. I can't prove that the Bible is God's word. I can't prove that Jesus is saving me. I what? I trust it. I believe it. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you'll be saved. Not if you can prove that I am God, you'll be saved. Because he knows that we can't here in this place. I see through a glass darkly. I'm, sh I'm living in a shadow. I don't know completely. Then I shall see face to face and be known and know. Heaven is a place of knowledge. Down here, the question is, how do we create our proofs? How do we create knowledge? It's how do we create that? Well, we create it through things that are... I say that I know I'm saved. I don't know that I am. I really should say I believe I'm saved. But I use the word know because it's really comfortable, isn't it? I like proofs and I like comfortability. What I'm really saying is I, I know that I'm saved because I trust my pastor. I trust the Bible. I trust Jesus. I trust this warm, fuzzy feeling inside. I trust all these things. And because of all those and the repetition of this and all these other things that I trust, I can say I know I'm saved, but do I really know I'm saved? Come on. I know it's uncomfortable, but if I'm going to run around as a Christian and say I can prove that God exists, can I? I look like an idiot in the debate. Now, here's the beauty of Faith Island. Can Dawkins prove to me that there is no God? He can't prove it either because he's trusting what? He's got his own trust list. Uh, everybody, take a deep breath. <laughs> Who's got a trust list? We all got a trust list. And ready? Dawkins doesn't trust spirituality. That's why he's not what? Using it to frame out reality. We tracking? This is how I teach philosophy. That makes sense? This is how I think we should all approach our world. Part of it because I really believe it's true. 
But ironically, if you talk with most people and you take the time at a coffee shop or a dinner or whatever, when you get right down to it, all their little proofs and all their little trust and all their little beliefs, which aren't little, they're big, are based off of a list of things that they deem as trustworthy. Fair enough? Does that make sense? So when she says, and he says, right, uh, there's no certitude, and I want inclusive, I get it. There is no certitude. What happens there is that you slide into this suicide of thought. If nothing's trust, wait, if I can't trust anything, and by the way, is anything 100% trustworthy here at this school, is anything 100% trustworthy? What are the two things, three things that are 100% trustworthy? It's not a trick question. Jesus, is he trustworthy? Holy Spirit. Bible. 100% trustworthy? Yeah, what's the problem? What's my access to the Bible? It's through my brain. Is my brain 100% trustworthy? Not only is it through my brain, it's through the people who translated it. Are they trustworthy? No. Now, what's my access to the Holy Spirit? My spirit conversing with the Holy Spirit inside of me. The only way that's going to manifest is if it hits neurons and chemicals. And I feel something and think something. Is my brain and all my chemistry trustworthy 100%? No, the Holy Spirit is, but am I? No, how about my access to Jesus? It's through who? Me and you. Are we? That's the problem. I believe in absolute truth. It's just my access to it is what? Through me, which is flawed. Bummer. Right? We tracking? I believe in absolute truth. My access to it is based off of trust. Fair enough? Did that, that was a crazy one minute. Are we okay with that one? Are we doing okay? That being said then, She's saying, well, I like the inclusive approach. Come on, you can pick your own way. And this is where some of you asked, how do I teach this? This is the last week. <laughs> I'm laughing. I shouldn't laugh. I'm not there to laugh. Okay, sorry. I'll come back. My poor students. <laughs> we went through a week of really hardcore philosophy on G.K. Chesterton's suicide of thought. And we break down to the bottom core of reality that everything's based off of trust. And I realized that if everything's based off of trust and my access to it isn't it completely trustworthy, shoot, then maybe I shouldn't what? Trust anything. And that'll reduce you down to not even trusting yourself or your brain. Suicide of thought often will lead to what? Therapists and counselors in the room. Suicide socially. Suicide intellectually. Suicide emotionally. And eventually I've been to the funeral. Some of you have as well. Suicide of what? body, right? You can't trust yourself and your own thoughts. It's terrifying. Ironically, this is the, the, the three-week, the two-week lesson in one sentence. The thoughts that got you there, which ends up, I can't trust anything, the only way you're there is by trusting that thought. So you can trust something. You're trusting that thought. And if you trusted that thought and you can choose to trust thoughts, can you get yourself out of the suicide of thought? Yeah, start building a trust list. And there we go. Does that make sense? And by the way, seeking you shall find. You're covered by grace. Give it your best shot. And if you keep going, you'll find something untrustworthy. Since you chose to change your thoughts there, what could you do when you find something's untrustworthy? You what? Renew your mind. That's what, that's what Christ is offering. The Holy Spirit will help you renew your mind, which basically means renew your trust. Repent. Repent means literally to change the way you think. Fair enough? That's the journey we're all on. That's why it's a journey. So, I need to get to this one point though. Ready? 
Is Jesus Buddhist? Buddha? No. Is Buddha Jesus? Will they both lead us to the same place? Can you be a materialist who believes only the, spirit, only the material realm is really real and a theist who believes that the spiritual and material are real? Can you be them at the same time? No, there are different things. Now, I get the linguistic problem. I, can, I don't have it right here, but I could draw a triangle on one of those whiteboards. Could some, that 5,000 5, years ago, that triangle, could we have called it a square? We could have. That's fine, right? That's, that's semantics. That's language. We could have called it a square. But then when I draw a square on the board, can I call that a square as well? No, because they're different. We live in reality, which has different things. And Buddha is not Jesus. Jesus is not Buddha. Buddha, you'll see if you read this, says save yourself. Jesus says I'll save you. Those will not land you in the same place. And by the way, Buddha's trying to help you become God. Become God. Jesus wants you to hang out with him. Hang out with God. Those are not the same. All roads don't lead to the same place. Anybody who tries to say that to you or to our students doesn't understand practical reality. Fair enough? Because of that truth, this is where this whole grid comes in. Does that make sense? And so this is the brief version. Well, I, I approach philosophy through two realities, material and spiritual. Is there a third? You can help rewrite history right now. I'll change it. That's facetious and not really. I always ask my students if someone could come in. I'll, like, I'll change it. Okay, so Plato and Aristotle made it famous. He's like, Plato's like, eh, forms. And Aristotle's like, measure. What we can measure? And that's the debate, right? We're still in that debate. So if there's those two realities we have to deal with, everybody has to deal with a material world and a potential or real spiritual world, right? That's how I teach philosophy. There are basically four big options. And what are they, right? Idealism. This is where we... Ready? So you can scroll. And I just did those two pages for you guys right there. Idealism. What's really real? Only the spiritual realm, right? We are shadows. Everybody, make a shadow on the table. Go on, seriously. Make a long, if you don't mind. Make a shadow on the table. Is that shadow real? Can you see it? Can you grab it and pick it up with your other hand? Yeah, come on, grab it. Oh, wait, that, nice. Is it real? Yes, but what is it? Absence of light and dust, but it's still got some because you can see it. What are we? We are shadows of that which is truly real, the ideal, perfect spiritual realm. We spent a ton of time on it, but just briefly, I like to call it ideaism. Ideaism. If I asked you to think of the perfect car right now, come on, close your eyes, think of the perfect car. Could we? Does it exist right now on planet Earth? What are all the car companies trying to make? Perfect car. Ready? Check this out. This is where it kind of freaks the students out a little bit, but idealism is onto something here. If we got rid of all the cars on planet Earth, would the idea of car still exist? Come on, would it? Yeah, because ideas are really powerful and long-lasting. Maybe they'll last longer than the actual stuff that we make out of those ideas. Eh? Eh? Anybody want to sign up? All right. And so it's interesting. How long are you going to last? Everybody close your eyes and think of the perfect human. And, and it's interesting to watch the students do that. But ready? take a second right now, real quick. Close your eyes. Picture that perfect human in your brain. Go for it. You can open your eyes. A lot of you probably said, they're thinking Jesus, which is great, whatever image comes up. 
here's the key to idealism. This is where you're all idealists in some level. If anybody, and whenever I see, I, I'm traveling around, I love doing this, raise your hand if you had yourself in your mind. It's, it's okay if you did. Did anybody in here? You were all idealists then because you had an idea of a perfect being and you're not it. So if you want to become that idea, what do you and I need to do for the next 40, 30, 60, 80 years? Do what? Become it. How, lo how long will that ideal person, that ideal being last? How long? Well, forever, because they're what? Perfect. What kind of thoughts? What kind of behavior? And by the way, they're going to be so good that we want them to last forever, right? They're going to say perfectly true things, perfectly true awesome body, perfectly true thoughts. And are we that? Nope. We know it. It's true. So we need to what? Become it. Got it? Welcome to Buddhism and Hinduism. For real. Does that make sense? That's what it is. They're trying to help you get rid of all that unclean clutter. By the way, you and I could run 25 miles out of, out of a marathon. 26.2. We could run 25 miles with a Buddhist and a Hindu. Because they're going to be good. They're going to be kind. They're going to be loving. They're going to be generous. They're going to be all. They're going to try to be. They're going to try and make themselves what? Perfect so they could exist as that forever. That is Sounds like some robot's going to come in here and take over. <laughs> Are we tracking with idealism? Is that enough on idealism? We're good? You can see how they're going to answer those questions, all right? I'm actually going to slide down to the fun little picture. There's the grid, by the way. We asked the big seven questions, and there's four different answers. There's axioms. There's ice cream and insulin, for those of you who were here last year. There's some other things. But idealism, right? Images to ponder and discuss. There's the trust list with the space to process it out. Materialism. Only the what is really real? The material realm. Period. And by the way, is it? Come on, is this real? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Most of us can handle that. Uh, it works out pretty well. Um, who, who believe this stuff? Atheism, existentialism, nihilism. This is the new thing. I've got some religions and isms that fall underneath this, right? But what's really, so who's God at this point? There is none. What do we do about morality? It's all internal system. All we are is matter and electricity. And by the way, biologically speaking, what are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Chemicals. Chemicals. Biologically speaking, it was so fabulous. Collaboration. Right? Fabulous moment. Mr. Regan came into my class. was sitting there while we went through this on materialism. And I'm like, so what did Mr. Regan say about who we are biologically? And they're like, chemicals. It was so awesome. Like, so do we have free will if all we are is chemical reactions? Do you, by the way, do we? No, it doesn't seem like it. No. We might have the appearance of it. We can pretend that it's there. We can make it up so it feels better, but there's no free will. By the way, if all we are is a chemical cause and effect reaction, what happens to morality at that point? If you have no choice, is there morality? One of my favorite stories can I take a minute and go to myself for a story? Maybe for you as well. I love it. This was an amazing moment. Anna's four, sitting right here. Eli's four, sitting right here. We're watching Planet Earth. The one with the caribou, the million caribou going across the thing, right? Who's seen that one? Anybody? <laughs> I loved it. The, the caribou all leaves. This little bitty guy who just got born is trying to keep up with mom and, and can't. Falls behind. So they all leave. Little bitty guy who's alone. Pause it. Anna and Eli, don't get separated from mom. Okay, let me keep going. Sorry, it's horrible. <laughs> keep going. And what comes out of the bottom corner? The wolf. 
And he starts chasing the caribou. And who's Anna cheering for? Go, baby caribou, go! <laughs> right? right next to me. Who's you like cheering for? Wolf, go, wolf, go, wolf, go, wolf. And I'm like, go, wolf, go, baby caribou. Is there anything evil happening? Is there right or wrong? Only if you project it, they're just doing what wolves and caribou do. There's a huge, awesome helicopter chase scene, right? And then off the camera, you hear, and the wolf gets his lunch, and Anna's like, no, caribou, and Eli's like, yeah, wolf. And I can't be like, that wolf was evil. Can I do that? It's observed behavior, and what is all of human behavior? It's just what? Observed human behavior. Morality ends up becoming ridiculous. Not in a negative sense. We tracking? We get into materialism as that unpacks? All right. And we go through this. So why are we here? Well, I, I have lightning striking the chemicals. If I could, I would do Ocean's Eleven. Why are we here? Why do we love the Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen movies? Because these thieves do what? Steal from who? The jerk casino owner. Right? And then if they, they get away with it, and we all cheer for who at the end? ocean, right? Like, awesome! And these thieves steal from worse thieves, and then we like the movie because they get away with it. And that guy lives. That's Robin Hood, right? And how do we justify Robin Hood? You know, that's, I love Robin Hood, so you steal it. We don't have to worry about that here. And you, you do whatever brings pleasure, do whatever can help you make the most out of your existence that you seem to be aware of, avoid negative natural consequences, pursue positive ones. Go team. Thoughts, questions on materialism? That's, those are so different, right? And then dualism. We slide down here and we get dualism. And dualism, the best approach for dualism is pantheism. What's God? Everything that is. Now here's how I explain it in our context that really works. In theism, I have an individual human spirit. Do you? Do you? Do you? So inside this shell of matter and electricity... Now we have individuality. Does that make sense? And then who's also in me? Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit in you? Is that the same Spirit? Thank you, Paul, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Same Spirit that creates what? What did Jesus pray for? Unity. So is, is the same God in all of us? But we're different. Yeah? Ready? Think Holy Spirit. Everybody right now, go with me. Think Holy Spirit in all of us. One God in all of us. Right? Take out your human spirit and you have what? dualism. There's God in all of us. But I'm not making my own choices. God is doing what? God's spirit is animating me. And if there's one God and one spirit animating all of us, there's no me there. It's just a shell. That help or make it, that help or hinder? I actually really like that because that is dualism. There's one God who is life and energy and connecting everything. And the physical is just a manifestation of that God best way to look at it is the universe would be me. I'm just one big organism. One thing. Now, is, is this finger this finger? No, but are, are they connected? Yeah, so there's, there's difference, there's distinction, but it's all what? Connecting as one big organism. Why can Yoda, I always show Yoda, why can Yoda move the rock? Not because he has some power over the rock, he can move it. Come on, everybody give a shot. Ready? Ah, he can move it because he's what? Connected to it. And anybody who's seen Avatar or those who understand physics in the room, 
Is everything connected? God, is it? What's connecting me and you right now, physically and literally? Atoms and electrons. Like, are we all connected? Don't tell them they're wrong. Are we all connected? Yeah. If there's no distinction, we should all just be dualists. Fair enough? Because it's true. As, as weird as it sounds, <laughs> thank you, Yoda, who moves the rock because he's connected to the rock. Fair enough? Keep going? This is really, really short and brief. The last one is theism. Okay, and I just hinted at it. Theism, there's a creator God. Spiritual's real, material's real, but there's distinction. There's independence, interdependence, intradependence. That's just really fun. I get to use all three of those in the same sentence. Probably shouldn't, but why not? I wish Shakespeare did too. But there's this sense of that's real, this is real. Material realm's real, spiritual realm's real. It's all connected, but there's distinction. You have a soul, I have a soul, but it's not God's soul. I'm going to be perfected, but I'm not going to be God. I'm going to be like God. Are you tracking with all this? I don't need to spend a ton of time on theism, but Judaism, Islam, Christianity, and tribal religions that worship a creator. If they worship a creator, they're not dualists. There's a lot that are, but if they worship a creator, then they're not God. They, something created them. They're, they're on our side, if you want to go with it that way. Fair enough? Questions, thoughts, concerns? That's how I teach this. So now, there are four different options that are different. That's that grid. And so when I look at Anna and she says, what happened to the dog when the dog died? What's going to happen to me, Dad, when I die? I can say, nothing. You're done. You're just a chunk of matter and electricity, and when you die, it's over. There's no hell. There's no guilt. There's no shame. Pup is just going to become dirt again. Could I? And a lot of dads do. If I sent Anna to the Theosophical Society preschool that started two years ago, what will they tell her about the dog that died? For real, it's a preschool right down the street in Wheaton. I asked them what they tell their kid. And they told me that they tell them that when an animal or a human dies, they get absorbed back into the consciousness of the one and they will, get, they will find a new manifestation as God somewhere else. Don't be afraid of death. It's a wild adventure. Have a ball. I could tell that to Anna, couldn't I? You're part of the pup. Pup's part of you. Pup's part of everything. She died. I could tell Anna, sorry, pup wasn't perfect dog, so she's going to cease to exist. She didn't make it. Poor pup. I could also tell Anna, which I did, that, well, I didn't say this part of it. My joke is, well, pup was a bad dog, so she's going to burn in hell forever. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, right? No, I did pup. Pup is... But gave her an answer that's part of theism. Pup is a beautiful, beloved creation of a God who's a creator, and we discussed that and dialogued that out. Right? Pup might even be in heaven. But if not, we'll understand later why. But Pup, Pup didn't just, you know, Pup's not those other three. I give her, and I talked about her. I said, Anna, when you die, she's four, and ask Jesus to save her and Willie. Come on, Willie. God loves kids more than us. No, he's not. It's not true. God, but he wants us to be like kids who really believe this stuff. And Anna believes that she that God is that Jesus is king, that Jesus can save her. She believes it. She asked him to do it. He's gonna do it. Where's Anna gonna go? Heaven. Forever. Awesome. We talked about that and that kind of, Those are four very different answers, aren't they? Now, can I prove that last one to Anna? No, I told her that's what I believe, Anna. You're welcome to believe that. And you're gonna find a lot of other people on our planet who don't believe that, and they trust other things. 
How are we doing? That's how I teach philosophy. By the way, did that answer those two questions enough for right now? Enough on where we go and how this works and the, the concept of what I do and what we're trying to do at Weed Academy. We good? Sweet. Well, let me just finish it up then. By the way, this is really fun. Interview a friend or a neighbor. Those big seven questions. Find out where they are and what they believe. How about yourself? Go home this weekend. Make your own little trust list. What, what's on your trust list? Here's the basic structure of this whole thing. We use what we trust. No wonder, we're not, no wonder you're not reading the Bible very much. If you trust it, you would. I don't read the Quran because I don't what? Trust it. You might be struggling with your pastor right now. If you don't trust your pastor, you're not going to listen. If I go to the doctor and I don't trust the doctor and he gives me a prescription, will I take those pills? You won't go to a mechanic you don't trust. You won't listen to your friends if you don't trust them. We all use what we trust, period. What's on your trust list? What should be on our trust list? How do I get a healthy trust list? That's what I tell my students. That's your homework for the rest of the year. Get a really good, awesome, healthy trust list before you go to college. So you can use that to navigate it. And then here's, here's the culmination. I, if I can do two minutes, I'm going to try and do it in two minutes because this is brand new. This is literally three weeks old. Three minutes and then we'll open it up for questions, dialogue, and see what you guys want to do for the last 15 minutes. You guys have been awesome listening. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm just, I, I knew I was going to try and give you a lot of information just so we're aware of what's going on, right? I am going to propose, like T.K. Chesterton inspired me to do, this is where it's different, that the, the trust list is the fullness of Christ. And here's the quote that inspired me for that. There's a huge heroic sanity of which the moderns can only collect the fragments. There's a giant of whom we see only the lopped arms and legs walking about. They have torn the soul of Christ into silly strips. And here's, here's what I want to propose. I don't bash materialism in my class. That friendly atheist tomorrow's going to be our, our bud, I hope. I don't need to bash it. I don't need to criticize. I don't need to condemn. I don't need to be afraid of these other worldviews. I believe what Chesterton's saying here is that reality is Christ. It's the fullness of Christ. And what we've done is we've ripped reality into silly strips. And so ready? Is idealism at the core correct? Is the spiritual realm really real? Is there an objective standard for perfection and morality? Are ideas powerful and lasting? Do you have a spirit that will last forever? And does it need to be perfected to hang out with the perfect God? Yes, 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 yes. Guess what they've done? They've taken Christ, I believe, Father God, <coughs> objective, pure, right? And they're holding on to just the arm of Jesus. Well, it's still the arm of who? Jesus! Right? It's like taking a masterpiece painting, a Michelangelo painting, and cutting it into four pieces. Like, I give you this masterpiece from Sean McCollum, right? You're like, oh, I need to blow my nose. I'm going to rip off half of it and blow my nose with it. Right? You, but if you cut off half of that painting, you still have half of a what? Masterpiece. Idealism has a huge chunk of reality, truth. It's just not what? All, it's a matter of addition, not subtraction. Is materialism right? Well, yes, at the core, because is the material realm really real? Are we cause and effect? Yes. Biologically, do we not have free will? Yes, yes, yes. 
read, read uh, Solomon. If you chop God out, your life is absurd. That's all they're saying. We chop God out, our lives are absurd. Okay, it's in the Bible. It's not new. Right? So that's true. The thing is, is that that is true. And if it's only true, okay, fine. But what I'm saying is, no, add a spirit into that biological shell and watch what happens. Right? This whole other side is true. So thank you, atheists, for all the truth you're giving me. And here's the other part. You have half of it. Is dualism true? Well, at the core, is there a spirit that unites all of us? Is there a spiritual? I actually think, sad but true, I think we need to learn a lot more from the dualists. There's a Christians, there's a spiritual realm. It's real. It's powerful. It's here. It's now. I have God. He, I have God's spirit in me. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, in me. This is nuts. I am playing half-cheek. We are way more materialistic than we should be. We've got to ante up a lot more and start living from that real spiritual... And you know what? The tarot card readers and the shamans and a lot of these dualistic people believe in a spiritual realm. It was a horrible but beautiful moment when I first was teaching in a Christian school and this girl was trying to, like, catch me. She raised her hand and says, well, I'm a witch. I'm like, oh, you are? What kind? Wicca. I'm like, oh, okay. And we were talking, and they were, everybody else was, like, freaking out. I have a witch in the room, and she really believes this stuff. And I said, so why, you know, why did you become a witch? She became a witch so she could have more power to stop the bullies. And the, uh, Satan was going to give her power to stop the bullies. And I said, well, you know what's really cool is you believe in a spiritual realm when half the Christians in the room hardly do at all, and they have God in them. She actually believed. I didn't have to bash her. I'm like, that's awesome. You believe in a spiritual realm. Was that easy or hard to fix, by the way? Is Satan going to give her enough power to deal with bullies? No, we met after school. I introduced her to the Holy Spirit who gave her way more power to love the bullies, be kind to the bullies, give truth to the bullies, pray for the bullies, and the bullies ended up becoming Christians and stopped bullying. Way better option than being a witch. And she could. Satan's got power. He'll dole it out. But I, I wasn't afraid of the witch. I was just like, why are you doing with Satan? Why are you hanging out with Satan? He's weak. <laughs> Holy Spirit's way more powerful. He can help you deal with it. It's way better. Right? But it's so interesting that she went there because the church wasn't giving her connection to the Spirit's power in a way that was effective and loving and kind. Right? Fair enough? Don't you are? And now here we get, and part of my the loophole there is like, what about theism? I think theism represents a religious approach to understanding God. And yes, we can find Jesus in there under Christian theism. We rarely do. You rarely really find the fullness of Christ under theism. We often find religion. And so when we step back, we, we rip Christ in half if we just stop at religion. The fullness of Christ is a being who actually came to end religion, right? And give us a relationship with himself, who is the fullness of reality. That's my three minutes. Um, did that help at all? Yes, no. So guess what you get to do in all of your classes? Help connect all these dots, right? Like that's my job right now is to give you a picture of what I do, how we approach worldview, and then invite you into that process. How can I do this in math? How can I do this in history? How can I do this in whatever? And it's not like I've got to rewrite all my lesson plans. Maybe you do. Oh. Right? You're, most often than not, you are already doing this. It's just a matter of the language and the vocabulary and maybe even taking some of this to enhance what you're already doing. Fair enough? I was doing a presentation with a bunch of elementary teachers 
And they're like, this is so overwhelming. And I'm like, gosh, I'm like, wait a second. Do any of you talk about morality in your classes? Well, yeah, we do this all the time. I'm like, yeah, and the kid comes home and he's got divorced parents. I'm like, Don, like, you're talking about morality, just connect the dots. Anybody talk about debt? Anybody talk about why we exist? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that's just connecting the dots and becoming more aware. I'm going to stop talking. We have 10 minutes left. I promised it myself, and I think even you. I don't know if I did or not, but I should have promised you time for questions. That was like drinking through a fire hose. I know, right? If you feel overwhelmed, that's okay. Totally normal. Hopefully you don't feel completely overwhelmed. But what I want to do is like pull back the curtain. Here's what I do in my class. And here's what we're trying to accomplish at Wheaton Academy. You're on this team. Hopefully this will help. And I'm here to help. Thoughts, questions, comments? Yeah. And, and then it's all based off of trust, too. And so we got, we're not trying to prove anything to people, per se. We're saying, hey, this is, I, I trust, I'm going with Jesus because he's the best way to live, and I really trust it, and I found it trustworthy 40 years later. Well, 30, really. I'm going to keep going this way until someone gives me a better option. And if we're not living like it's the best way to live, well, no wonder they're not talking to us or trusting us. Fair enough. Like, the tricky part is we've got to be trustworthy or they won't use us, which is crazy sick accountability. <laughs> right? So, Yeah. There's a little bit of fear with this. Yeah. You know, apprehensive. Oh, yeah. Being apprehensive because once you open this can. Oh, boy. Oh, my then, God. Then the students are going to expect answers. I know. And that's where, like, man, I took this test, and I didn't do this test really well. So now I'm like, do I want to open up this can that all of a sudden I'm going to have answers or questions come at me Yeah. that I, I may not give a... And you know, if a student raised their hand in my classes if it was like, hey, I'm a witch, I'd be like... What the heck? All right, uh, let's get a counselor for you. <laughs> yeah, and like, you understand? Like, I'm not going to be able to handle let's, it the way you Let's go there. Let's go there real quick. I love that that question comes up. I usually force it, but you guys brought it up, which is awesome. Sure. <laughs> right. This is beautiful. C.S. Lewis helps us with this so much. Who's got a cell phone? Hold it up. Come on, seriously. Hold it up. Hold up your cell phone. Who in the room knows how this works? I can talk to my wife on this. Who knows how it works? Anybody? Okay, you guys do. Awesome. Uh, wait, ready? And here's the key. Here's the key. I love this with grace. Do I have to know how this works in order to use it? Do I? No. I mean, I basically press buttons and talk, but this is real. I don't, but if it's broken, where do I go? Someone who does know how it works. You don't have to know how this all works, but if something's broken, send it to the counselor. Send them to Mr. D. That's why we have doctors. Doctors help fix things, right? Does that make sense? We don't have to have it all figured out, but we've got to know where to resource each other. That's why it's team. I love this. I don't want to answer that question about biology. much. all right. I'm physics. I can send them to other people. I don't have to have it all figured out. I actually, it's kind of crazy if we do, right? 
That's the body of Christ. I like that. Freedom to not know. But we just got to know that we don't know. Tell the kids we don't know. And then pursue knowing. Because is it nice to know how digestion works? I don't, who here knows how digestion actually works? A couple of us. I kind of knew the Krebs cycle and some of that kind of stuff and the breakdown of thing. But you know what? If I eat a rock, I know not to eat rocks. If I did once, it doesn't really work. And it hurts. Right? But we've got to know basic level of digestion. But I don't have to know how it works in order to eat and stay alive. But when I get sick, I'm going to go to someone who does. Fair enough? Like, I think that's, and by the way, are all the doctors good? Are all the lawyers good? Are all the teachers good? Are all the pastors good? That's why it's about trustworthiness. I think that's the key. We can send our students to a trustworthy counselor because bad counseling is worse than no counseling. <laughs> right? Bad medicine is worse than no medicine. It really is. Then you get sicker. That's the trustless concept. We're going to build trustless for students. We're going to help them learn out of who's trustworthy and who's not, which is a hard accountability. But it's a really good, honest check. It's really important. This is humility. This is body of Christ. I don't have it all figured out. I'm learning and growing. We're all on a journey. Good thing we're covered by grace. Imagine not being covered by grace and having to figure this out. It's a train wreck. By the way, that's idealism. You have to make yourself perfect and you're not covered by grace. And how, has that infiltrated Christianity? It's so sad. It's terrifying. It's horrific. Can I just say a fun little sentence? I'm sorry. This is me, ADD philosopher. We're ready? If we're stuck on Faith Island and we can't know anything for certain, we have to be saved by grace. I can't know. So if I'm expected to be perfect and I can't even know what perfection is, can I do it? We have to do it. Thank you for grace, Jesus. I'm not blackmailing God, but it's like, duh, that's why he says it's by grace. He knows the predicament we're in. <laughs> we got to stop expecting each other. Didn't have it all figured out. A, we can't. B, we don't. C, it helps to have it figured out, though, doesn't it? It's like, why should we be missionaries? Well, isn't it nice to know how your phone works and how digestion works? Isn't it nice to know Christ and the fullness of Christ? Isn't it nice to have the Holy Spirit in you and how to live that way? Yeah, it's awesome. Way better. It's the fullness of life. I've come to give you life and life to the full. It's worth spreading and sharing. Right? But we're covered by grace. Other thoughts? I'm staring. I'm looking at the faces. Yeah. When, when do our freshmen, when, when are they in Yeah, so th- we've decided, it was about four years ago, which is so fun, because I have the seniors now, and they're like, oh, we already did this. I'm like, what? Wait, uh, 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 I was hoping for this would happen. And I got to shrink down my info and really dig in. So these guys, we're plowing through. Some of you have students in my class at your houses and know that we're digging deep, fast, hard. They get a freshman year, the first four weeks of freshman year, they get knowledge. What, right? What is this stuff? What are the worldviews? What's the vocabulary? What's going on? By the time they get to me, they have doctrine, which is what we believe, culture, how to believe it, philosophy and theology, why we're picking it, as opposed to all the other options. And we really go there. I, in my classes, I try to get them to think like a materialist, like to think like it. And it's, it's scary and risky. Thanks for not firing me yet. <laughs> like, but parents are like, wait, don't do that. What's the risk in it? 
They're going to think like it. I'm not going to bash it. I'm going to honor it. But I'm also going to show them, if they hang in there with me, that Jesus is a better option. But I'm not going to just make a straw man and knock it down. There are very intelligent people who are Buddhists and atheists and dualists, and they're kind and they're nice and they're loving. They've got good reasons. They're trusting their stuff. I'm trusting mine. The friendly atheist who's coming tomorrow, I don't have to bash him. He believes what he believes because he doesn't trust God. I believe what I believe because I think God's trustworthy. Right? Like, it's just different. I don't have to bash him, but what I can do, hopefully tomorrow, is we'll show him that Christians are awesome and trustworthy and kind, and so is God, and maybe you... Why don't you trust him? Well, you know, we'll find out. That's the whole God's Not Dead movie, right? Is I don't trust him because he didn't give me what I wanted, or there's pain, or there's suffering, or there's evil, and we can handle that stuff with paradoxes. Uh, last closing thought, and then we'll take a question. Uh, I, Chesterton rips it all apart, says that we've ripped it apart. I tell the students that the glue that holds that all back together, the main glue, it's not tr- trust, it's faith, it is, but it's not, it's, it's love, but it's not love. The main glue to put all that, to stitch it back together, is paradox. It really is. It's paradox. Material realm is really real. Spiritual realm is really real. They're both true. I'm saved by grace. I should work my butt off for Jesus. My life is a living sacrifice. If I water one of those down, what happens? I'm saved by works? No. I shouldn't work my butt off? No. God's in control. He's predestining everything. And I have free will. They're what? They're both true. If I water those down, it's a, it's a cesspool mess. Paradox. Holding those tensions stitches this all back together beautifully. I should write a book on it. Help me. Pray for me to write that book. I would love to someday. You had a question. One more thought. I'm going to ask him. It's up to him. I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it because he's a blogger. He's really famous. He's really well known. He probably won't want his conversation with us recorded. So I'm going to, I'm going to record it. I'm going to ask, record it, and then ask if we can post it somewhere. Um, we'll talk about it. I'd love to do lunch. We'll do some things. He's got tons of stuff out there. He's got the 15 things Christian. I, it was awesome. I got 190 questions from my students before I showed them the video of questions I had for the atheist and I showed in the video 15 things to not ask an atheist. It was so interesting to see all the questions. They, so many of the questions were the ones that he's like, don't ask me those questions. They're, they're ridiculous and lame. It's like what happened last year in chapel. Right? So I think this guy's eloquent. He's kind. He's nice. He's friendly. Right? But he's firm and strong and pretty smart. You, you were here all day? All day. In Brown's room? Brown's room in my room. Yeah, I, you, I think if you're free period, if you want to dip in, it would be a powerful opportunity. Yeah, I, sure. Oh, yeah, come on in. <laughs> I think that's great. you got a free period you want to come. He's brown, brown, break, and then philosophy. I'm fourth, fifth, 4A, fifth, sixth, and seventh in philosophy. He's going to share his story, why he's an atheist, answer the seven questions for the class, and then hit some of the questions that we have for him. I'm going to talk, have him talk about free will. I think it's a really important one for him to express and how he finds meaning. And then I'm going to ask him at the end, how can we honor you? How can Christians be better at honoring atheists and loving atheists? He's going to, he might open it up for questions, but I told our, my students that we're just going to listen. He doesn't want to debate. I don't want to debate. We just want to learn. It'll be pretty cool. I went over by three minutes, so I was trying not to go over. We good?
You guys have been awesome listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Right? A lot of information. Um, take that little quiz, quiz, quiz with you. And, uh, part of me wants to say, like, sometime today, see if you can do better on it. See if you can do better, even with just that one hour of crazy fire hose information. Thank you, guys. I'm available. Steve Bull has made it part of my job description to be available to process this out. I was hoping we had another half hour where a lot of you could say I'm already doing this. Care and share, show and tell. It just didn't work right now, but that might be something really valuable at some point. I'm trying this. I'm doing this. How can I do this? I want to do this. And that would be awesome, right? We're doing that with those who've been here longer this afternoon. Um, but yeah, thanks. Yeah. This recording, it'll go on Academy Central. I'll have Josh Burks, Burk, Josh Burke, sorry, Josh, I should have stopped it. <laughs> I'll have him put that up. <laughs> right. There it is, an hour and 17 minutes. Woo, nice work. Thanks, guys. Okay, make sure you bring your mobile.